0: I just got off a uh, two-hour Zoom with my wife, and that's a whole other conversation. But uh, I tell you what, opportunity is everywhere when you know the right people and the timing's right, and you believe in the in the timing. And man, there's just uh, there's just good stuff happening. So, Bobby, like yesterday, I reached out to you, and I told you it was on my heart because I had this conversation with someone in our neighborhood about this fentanyl epidemic, right? And it started to do some research and how bad it is in Colorado and, you know, teenage deaths in our own backyard here. And I'm like, I got to start doing some research. And lo and behold, it's way worse than I even realized. And like, I wake up this morning and I'm doing this Google research. You and I had that conversation. Did I not say to you, right, let's go live tomorrow and talk about fentanyl. And I see a brand new Fox News report where they just interviewed two parents. This morning, brand new with teenage kids who overdose from using one fentanyl pill. So we're not talking about kids that, you know, develop an addiction. We're talking about something that is so wickedly potent and strong that it's killing off young people like immediately. Should we share that video, Bobby? Should we just start by sharing that interview with these two parents?
1: Yeah, I don't think it would hurt at all. I think let's do it. Let's do that
0: because like, I mean- It's just like it hits home, right? I mean, these two parents just lost their children. Like, how do you, how do you even reconcile that? I just, I can't. So let me make sure my screen sharing's working the way I want it to. Let me know if you can see that.
1: I know. Oh man,
0: I just, I've got the chills already. I'm so fired up, guys. Take a look at this.
2: As America's teenagers and as young adults turn to social media to find uh, purpose xanax and other pills but police warn the vast majority of these counterfeit drugs are laced with deadly doses of fentanyl is really uh evil our next guests both lost children because of fentanyl michael gray joins us now and ed Kobelis joins us uh michael you lost your daughter amanda and um and uh ed you lost your uh you lost your son uh eddie so you know this first and foremost tell me first off if uh, if you would mike tell me what happened with amanda so Amanda, Amanda went on the street. She was she was suffering
3: from a mental health disorder and she was on prescription medications. She was out of certain medications. So she went on the street to get basically a replacement for a benzodiazepine. That was her prescription drug. But it wasn't. It was fentanyl, straight up fentanyl. And uh, she
2: was killed instantly. And this oh, is man. this is somebody that had prescription drugs, went outside one time and that was it. Correct. And
3: that and that's what we call the new paradigm, Brian. Uh, Eddie and I formed this coalition of fentanyl awareness to talk about what we call the new paradigm. Simply stated, we do not have a drug overdose crisis in America at all. The overdose situation is not in crisis, never was. What's in crisis are these one and done kids who go out and, and at a party take a Xanax pill, and if I may correct the language, it's not laced with fentanyl. They're made from fentanyl for very specific reasons having to do with the Chinese government and the Mexican cartels. Trying to
2: kill us uh, and they're working together to do it. When are we going to sober up, understand that? Eddie, tell me about your son.
4: Yeah, good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I, I first have to go back to uh, the evening of July 3rd, 2018. Everything in my life was going really well at the time. Uh, My wife and I were making uh, retirement plans. My daughter just got engaged to a a really great guy. My son, Eddie, 20 years old, he just graduated from electrician school. He was working five nights a week in a local restaurant, saving his money, going to the gym every day. And I heard his car pull up in the driveway. And I remember looking out the window that night and thinking to myself, wow, that's my son. How proud I was of him. Uh, And he walked in the house. We had a brief conversation. And that was the last time I saw my son alive. For the following morning, I found him uh, face down on the bedroom floor. Oh, not man. too long after that, I, I found out that what he thought was his annex that he had gotten from someone was actually straight fentanyl enough to kill him five times over. Uh, there's not a day that goes by five where times. I don't hear of or read a story about five some kid who thinks he's buying a, an OxyContin, an, an Adderall, a uh, Percocet, and they end up dying. And, you know, kids do dumb things, uh, but they should learn from their mistakes, not die from them.
2: Right, uh, of course. Um, And Michael, what's your message? So
3: Brian, again, we talk about the new paradigm and I use the term paradigm shift, which was developed by a physicist. I work in science. I like to think in a very rigorous way. There was a paradigm shift that occurred when the Chinese very quite willfully, quite deliberately decided to dump this chemical into our market in 2013. That raised the relative death rate of anyone who would use illicit drugs. At the time, that was maybe two to two and a half million Americans who were using powdered drugs out of an addiction or an SUD substance use disorder. Once the Mexican cartels got control of the manufacturing between 2015 and 2019... They began to think like marketeers and say, why limit ourselves to 2 million people who shoot up, snort or smoke heroin? Why not take this fentanyl and put it into all kinds of pills and get it to 20, 25 million American kids who like to take a pill recreationally? And they didn't even stop at opioids. They went to Xanax and even Adderall, which is a stimulant. Doesn't matter. They put it now in cocaine. We have our first confirmed case in in Connecticut of marijuana uh, that had uh, contained fentanyl. So now there's nothing safe. So it's all the one and done problem, Brian. That's our message.
2: You can't be you can't be one of those teenagers, yeah. Yeah. person in their twenties that makes one mistake, because that one mistake, instead of being a lesson learned, could end up ending your life. Uh, that's the message. Because uh, between the Mexico and China and our border being wide open, together they're killing our next generation, uh, especially or anyone who wants to go. These aren't addicts. And I think that's the one takeaway. Uh, And I'm so sorry you guys had to go through this. Uh, Michael and Ed, thanks for getting the word out. Thank you, Brian. Brian. Thanks, guys. Uh
0: Bobby, it's just it's staggering to me. Guys, if you're just tuning in, that was two parents, two dads who just lost their teenage children to fentanyl overdose death immediately taking one pill and you know those of those of you that know some of my story Bobby you do of course obviously you know as a teenager i got hooked on meth methamphetamine particularly crystal meth which is way more concentrated and potent than regular meth and i've been told that fentanyl is just like multiplied exponentially over crystal meth and now we're hearing from two parents who are talking about other drugs being laced with this or essentially kids think they're buying opioids, right? Feel good pain pills, which are essentially fentanyl and they're taking one pill and overdosing and either nearly dying or dying. I mean, this is catastrophic. I just don't even have the words right now.
1: Yeah. It's, it was a lot to digest from that lens, Caleb, for sure. And you're right from your story or from my exposure in life. It's a lot different than a parent losing a child. Like that's mind blowing and kudos to those guys for raising awareness and education, right? Like it's getting it on your radar. Hopefully this will get it on other people's radar. So it's that education piece. I'll tell you what scared me or frustrated me about what I heard them say. Um, You know, we talked about these prescription drugs, right? The first guy talked about his daughter running out of her prescription Mm -hmm, drug. mm -hmm. Um, So I I also heard some blame on other people, right? But I think we also need to take some accountability for big pharma, putting all these kids on drugs in the first place, right? That they're trading them off and they think that popping pills is normal and it's okay. Um, The Adderall, you know, is it feels like it's handed out like cookies. Um, so again, if they're trying to substitute these, these bad behaviors, that's when the cartel and the bad guys can come and sneak in and, and do this to us. So it's, it's not just blaming the bad guys. We need to take responsibility for what's going on in our own backyard. hundred
0: percent, hundred percent, Bobby,
1: <laughs> are we doing things to protect the kids in the right ways? Cause there's, there's a million ways. It doesn't even have to be. One of my preferred ways. There's so many freaking ways, and so many options, and so many professionals out there, and just so many resources. Um, because we did have this conversation, I went, I went snoop, and I told you I had had um, some communications because I see a lot of addiction stuff in my, mm-hmm. my inbox, you know. And there's been 1.5 billion dollars just granted in the last month to states and territories to help with the crisis. And fentanyl overdoses are more than 53% of the overdoses, according to the stats that I found before we jumped on today. And you
0: know what else I just read? That now fentanyl is the number one cause of death for Americans age 18 to 45.
1: That's just ridiculous.
0: It's insane. Yeah. And I'm so glad you you brought up big pharma because i wanted to go in this direction too because i was thinking about it earlier and many many years ago when i had my controversial online radio program i did a series called the killing machine and i brought some brutal statistics from the pharmaceutical industry on how the diagnoses and we're not talking teenagers in that series we're talking about kids young kids we're getting diagnosed with ADD and all these different prescription drugs and the documentation of the kids that were dying and overdosing from these pharmaceuticals. Okay, little children, guys. not It's not any worse for a parent, right? Whether it's a teenager or or a baby or a child, but we're, we're talking about little kids. And so Bobby, I'm so grateful we're, we're discussing getting getting to the heart and the root of this because you and I touched on it briefly, right? Okay, you're dumping all these millions and billions of dollars, whatever it is, to stop trafficking, but are we getting to the root cause and the root source of an extension of an epi- not just a crisis, an epidemic, right?
1: And, and you know, we're talking surface level too yeah. right now, Caleb, we right? So are. going back to the little kids, I have, I have a friend that um, shared with me a story and this, uh, I'll bring it, I'll tie it together, I promise. But she's going through a store with her little ones And one of the little boys wants candy and that's not who she is. Like she won't even eat in a restaurant. We go to Zumba events and she's bringing her own food, but she, she, she gives in. And when the kid is on this candy, he's like a different person, right? The dyes and the sugars and all this stuff. And where I'm going with this is that is the precursor to the meds of the little ones, right? Like we're not putting good things in our bodies, Like we're feeding them macaroni and cheese. Can you pronounce all the ingredients in macaroni and cheese? I can't, Right. you know, so it's, it's just, we just need to take responsibility for the things that we can, we can make so many choices um, as parents, as humans that can lead us to this point and take a little bit more of that power back. You know, Uh it's real easy to throw stones at everybody else, Uh but I would, you know, Grant. So I went to boot camp this weekend and Grant was talking about um, pharmacy commercials too. And he says, it's a joke. He goes, you'll see these couples holding hands and you'll see the swing and the family. And he was talking about it in the context of marketing. Mm-hmm. He's like, so the visual is happy go lucky, amazing results. But in the background, you're basically getting told you're going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, so Shit. it's so embedded. It is. And embedded. These, it's almost laughing
0: your face embedded
1: yeah yeah it, yeah
0: but responsibility you nailed it go ahead
1: well it, it, we we lost someone um just a couple months ago um from a fentanyl overdose and she was 27 <sighs> 28 nice. and nice. um it was it you're caught like even just this conversation is causing me to reflect, you know, both of her parents died of overdose. Um, she, you see, you would say, Oh, you know, like she doesn't even have a chance, but this whole thing about just the one pill, you know, she was doing good. So I almost have to wonder, was it something as simple as a one pill Mm -hmm. or the, the marijuana that I wrote that down? That is some scary shit right there. Cause this is another hot topic. Um, and we were talking about this at dinner last night. I don't know where I land on marijuana as far as how it impacts recovery. Like it's different for everybody. And I'm still doing my research and, you know, there's arguments about plant-based medicine and, you know, there's ayahuasca, there's pot, there's all this stuff. Right. And I had interviewed somebody that really got into, um, a hemp plant and a marijuana plant, and and really helped educate me this week. So it's like I, the dust hasn't settled in my mind, and I try to come from a place of education, not judgment. Sure. So I don't, so I don't know. But
0: and I, I would love to share my personal story when you finish on that on marijuana. Yeah, because it's sure.
1: scary. Yep. If they're buying the pot on the streets, yep. You know, instead of through a dispensary or. or under doctor guys or whatever. I mean, it's like secondhand. They were, I'm in a state that it's not legal and it doesn't matter. Like it's everywhere.
0: Well, and I was going to say, I'm in a state that it's legal. And unfortunately it hasn't decreased the amount of black market sales. It's actually increased it. It's drawn in more cartels right outside of Colorado Springs. I have a friend who has a house out there and not too many months back, he literally watched a massive raid drug bust from across his property, like SWAT, everybody came in and it was a Cuban based cartel, like a massive cartel that had been operating out of there. So it's all over now, legalizing something doesn't, doesn't minimize it. And, and I'm with you, Bobby. I always want to keep an open mind. I understand that marijuana has, you know, medicinal benefits. It has its place in time, I think, right. For some people, but for me personally, speaking from experience, it was the gateway drug that opened me up to doing much harder drugs, including cocaine, crystal meth, dropping acid. Um, because I remember the days getting high and going, "Oh, this is great! You know, we can just smoke marijuana, drink drink beer, you know, drink vodka, whatever whatever it was as teenagers." But curiosity always kills the cat, and you have to begin to seek something more. and And for me, my personality, right? It was. It was a downer drug. I didn't like feeling down. You needed something to pick me up. So we'd smoke pot, then we'd do meth, right? Stay awake for days uh-huh. and things like that. I just, you know, it's, it's been a long, long time since my experience, right? And it's embedded part of my story and, you know, my healing and, and my near-death experience was very supernatural, if you will, in that my deliverance and my recovery was almost intense, instantaneous. I never went back and touched meth again. I never went back and did drugs again you know, thank God, universe, whatever, I, I know that I was given a second chance that I didn't necessarily deserve. However, this is just, this is just awaken something within me again, because part of this conversation was, you know, you and I have got to touch on international law and what we're doing. And, you know, I work with a diplomat and ambassador, we're, you know, helping provide humanitarian aid, right, to other countries and medical aid and, you know, getting that diplomatic recognition and things like that. But it's such a reminder that not that I had neglected, but I had, I was just so busy focused on that, but what's happening in my own backyard, like that's so near and dear to me, right? I, for so many years, I had a vendetta against meth. Like it was a wicked, evil drug that seduced me, controlled me and nearly put me six foot under. And now we have this, you know, this fentanyl, which is more potent which is more easily accessible, right? I mean, we were, we were snorting and smoking meth back then. Now, right? It's just a counterfeit lookalike opiate and you could drop that thing. And, and back to the marijuana being a gateway, I remember being in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is where I have my first full-time job, 16 years old, working at Arby's, running the drive-through, which in the summer months of a tourist town, the cars were wrapped around the building for hours a day, that's where I got my initial, uh, you know, customer service roots, Bobby, and working with people. I was very good at it. I found early on, but that's when I was still doing drugs. And I remember, um, one evening, cause a lot of the times it was about an hour commute to go home. So I would stay there. Right. I had friends and associates that I would stay with most of them, right. Partiers and druggies and things like that. But one night we went over and, um, to smoke some marijuana And I'm not kidding you. It was one hit. And all I remember is flashing lights and then blackout. And I woke up and everybody was gone. And there was like one guy left and he came out and I said, what the crap happened, man? He's like, oh, dude, that, that stuff was laced. I can't remember what it was laced with. It was cocaine or something though, but immediately. And like you talk about the cold chills, right? This was, this was before my, my overdose, but I was just like, oh my gosh. I mean. That could have been it for me. I could have died. I just thought it was marijuana, right? You're, you know, happy, go lucky, you know, grown at home, plant. And here we find something that's laced with something more deadly than imaginable. And had it been any more potent, it wouldn't have been just a a blackout. It could have, you know, I could have been in seizures. It could have landed me comatose. So I just like there, there's no end to, and this goes back to the education that you started with, Bobby. What choices? are we making as parents and that we're instilling into our children right because we always lead as adults as leaders as parents by example so you know we can tell our kids don't eat this and don't eat that but they're going to watch what we're eating what are we putting into our bodies what are we putting into our minds and we don't even have to go in the statistics of childhood obesity percentages now in America, of uh, diabetic percentages in America because of genetically modified, I mean, the sugar is the worst of it, right? The, the genetically modified high fructose corn syrup. So we have got to, you know, start creating these healthy habits in our young people. And, and again, there's, there's, there's no judgment, right? Because I have a teenager now, and they've got their own mind, right? She's becoming her own person. She's got her own free will to make choices. And despite my, you know, experience, hopefully she won't follow in my footsteps. She's done, you know, great job so far, but she's still gonna make choices that may not be, you know, what I would agree with her, I would encourage her to. And so, you know, I wanna make sure we're not, people understand we're not faulting or judging parents. We're just saying, hey, what kind of values are we instilling in our kids? What kind of disciplines that are going to make them want to make good choices? or not want to do something that masks the pain. And I told you about this call that Denise and I were on the zoom call right before you and I hopped on Uh, the gentleman that we were talking with has eight kids and on purpose. Yeah. By, by the (laughs) same woman, his wife, all cesareans. And so, you know, we were, we were having a conversation about legacy money, different, different things like that. And I was just like, wow, what an amazing woman. Right. But he homeschooled all his kids. And again, I'm not, I'm not making a pitch here. I'm telling you his story, what he shared. And he said, we'll never regret that because the siblings are so close. Like they hang out together. They go on vacation together. And I know what it's like to have the the, the differences, right? And sibling riff, like you've got siblings, you're not going to see eye to eye on everything. Right. And it's like, there's going to be polar night and day differences, but it just touched my heart to the core that there was just something so pure instilled in them about the power of family, the legacy of family. And that really the strength of any nation or society begins with the family unit begins with relationships begins with the strength that we instill in in you know that that fortitude of saying we're going to stick it out together and again we're not going into the all the different things that can happen in a relationship and reasons why you would walk away we're talking about the reasons why you fight for a relationship where you fight for the person that you love why you why you're willing to stand And stay in a relationship when a divorce might be the easy option where you're willing to, you know, fight for the values in your children when society and the system is, you know, telling you to do otherwise and let the teachers raise them. The number one teacher of children should be the parents. Man, I told you I was fired up for this, Bobby, but this is just hitting home so hard.
1: Can I ask you something, Caleb? Please. How did you get introduced to drugs? Like, how did you find them?
0: Wow, that's a great question. I'm gonna to have to um, reflect back because we we talk about this epidemic and crisis happening in you know massive cities in the country, but where I was living at the time was very small town, population 267 people, high school 20 miles away, population 1500. Now, very very isolated, right? Small town in Wyoming. But at the time, the meth labs were going up in um, Ogden, Provo, Salt Lake, Utah area, which was, you know, a few hours away from us. So it was just, it was just everywhere. But again, it was just one of those things you're hanging out, right? You end up with a group of friends and one day, you know, they're just passing the joint around and you're like, for the first time you smell something, you're like, whoa, that's, you know, it's kind of nasty. And, you know, no, it's, it's not my thing, right? I preacher's kid, right? Marriage and family counselor, parents a lot of moral values that I was raised with, but eventually it was just like, you know, why not? Why not give it a try? So I'm not, I won't forget the first time I got high, right. And past the joint. It was just like, you're, you're opened up to this whole new world. And, and mine. now, now granted in my life, there was already things happening mentally and psychologically, particularly me being moved away at 13 years old from my home And my family and my best friends, right, for my dad to take a pastoral position that had already created a root of bitterness in my heart toward my parents, towards God, whatever. And so I recognized that, you know, there was a pain, there was a void trying to be filled. And and Bobby, we could pick your brain for hours, right? alcohol, different things, right, that we're, you know, we have to numb something within our, set, our senses that isn't healed. This is what I recognize, right, that substance abuse is, is often just a covering of the pain or an unwillingness to cope with or address something in our lives that's causing us pain.
1: Yes, thank you for sharing that, because I, I asked strategically, as you were talking about that family, those eight children, It sounds like they're thriving. They're close. Um, And where I'm going with is you were talking about homeschooling. You're talking about parents taking responsibility and stuff. My first experience was from people I learned in high school too, um, ending up. I don't remember my first time per se um, of like pot or pills or any of that stuff. I don't remember that so clearly. Mm -hmm. I remember my first drink clearly, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's interesting Cause it goes to, I'm going to actually be a little off the wall here, but it kind of correlates to how we live our lives and our businesses who mm. we're associating with. Mm. Right. And you're right. The roots of, of the healing, like, I, wow, this could go really a whole lot of ways. Like the more I learn, one of my biggest frustrations is that I'm 47 and I just learn things like meditation, being present. How different foods affect your brain or your body, mm-hmm. um, like all the things, right? And granted, it took a lot of work in a very short amount of time, like research and trying to understand, and one thing leads to the other, leads to the other. And, but none of that stuff seems to be on school curriculums mm-hmm. or on parents' radar, right? If it wasn't for my recovery, I wouldn't know about this stuff. And I listen to um, people of the younger, Age, They're a little bit more in tune than I definitely. Well, a lot more compared to how maybe when we were kids, I feel like all that stuff was like, um, what was that show with? I think it was Betty White. Like they, they, the girls were from LA and they crashed in Ohio and they were into like the Botox and the yoga and all those things. I feel like it was only like an LA kind of. Thing 20 years ago. And now we talk about all this stuff and now most people are are trying to put it into their lives. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong. There's definitely an effort and an, ed, an awareness and an education, but there's still so many people that aren't feeding their souls or their bodies or their minds with the right stuff. I, I keep bringing us back to the, to the beginning, to the symptoms, right? Like, it's all of this could be avoided. That's what's freaking frustrating. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and it, not like those dads did a bad job or anything. Like I said, I, I would be more upset with them thinking they're doing the best, bring them to the doctor, get the prescription, right? You only know what you know. And that's kind of more my point is. Right. And I think that's why you wanted to talk about this on the live, because there's people out there not paying attention that don't know. Um, I always say I don't watch the news, but if it's important enough, I'll hear about it. And I heard about it when we talked yesterday. Right. Or right. I heard about it from, you know, Susie losing her niece. Like, it's just ridiculous. It is,
0: it is Bobby. I love that you, you know, you brought up the personal responsibility, you know, and getting back to the foundations because we both heard it right from specifically from one of the parent dads and from the Fox News interviewer, right, specifically pointing China and Mexico making the drugs and intentionally trying to kill people. I mean, they straight up said it. Mm -hmm. Is that what they're intending to do? We don't freaking know for sure, right? Could very well be. But again, if we as parents, as a society, as leaders are teaching our young people, particularly right, to go a different path, to be so freaking strong up here, right? That they don't need to fall into the weakness of wanting to try something that gets them high or addiction, we could literally change the game. And I just, you know, I, I think about the things that I got into, right? Having my addictive personality, watching the movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper, and going, "Oh my God, biohacking, nootropics, like brain food. How cool is that? That I can put supplements in my body that will enhance my creative abilities. Like to me, it's like, man, you have so much potential, like." in the creative and imagination realms, right? As a young person, child and teenager, whatever that you could, you could be cultivating that. And I'm not saying every teenager needs to get into biohacking and things like that, but I'm saying like, look at the positive alternatives, right? That they can be feeding themselves to enhance their creative ability to say, I'm going to look for solutions instead of numbing myself to cope with the problem guilty for so many years right recognizing that a lot of it was the fears and the insecurities as a man okay as a man the guy that's supposed to be strong the guy that's supposed to have all the answers right be the be the leader of the household you know the protector it's like it's what i am like i can't stand to see my wife or kids in pain or suffering like i hate that more than anything else But I recognized there were things in my character, a lot of it, right, of what happened in my youth and the trauma that I experienced that was causing me to cover up the pain and to not address it. And being the ultra sensitive empath that I am, right, magnified that. And so as I learned to embrace controversy as I learned to embrace, right, the weaknesses and the things that I was running from and to confront them. And gosh, Bobby, you talk about, you know, the culmination with, we've touched on it, right? We both went through some hell last year in our lives, some major personal hell. And, you know, that I really thought I had addressed personally came up again. And now, right, finally, I can say certain of those things really got nipped in the bud because I I had to, I just recognize if you don't confront things in our lives, they will come back around and we'll go back around that mountain again. And again, I, I just, I'm convinced God universe or whatever brings these obstacles to create an opportunity for us to confront them, to address them and to overcome them. And it's, it's just, it's so extraordinary to see how much transformation can happen in our lives when we do that, Bobby, right? It's just like, at my heart, I'm the guy that, you know, we met and we did that first interview and we can, at my heart, I am, but in so many different ways, I'm just not that same person,
3: mm-hmm. you know, in
0: that short amount of time. And so I think it's a radical Testament because I've, I've been hearing a lot lately and maybe it's because, you know, my radar's just up that, well, people don't really change. And I'm going to have to agree with that in part because change is intentional. And if you don't intentionally create a discipline to transform and again right it's our path a niche because it's kind of this different entrepreneurial journey that we're in right but as a whole i don't think most people are taught to progressively grow and transform and so they don't change a lot what do you think about that Uh,
1: it's funny because when you first started talking about us both having such miserable (laughs) learning years last year um if we didn't change even prior to that, right? <laughs> if those situations were handed to us four years ago, 10 years ago, what would that look like, Caleb? We give would me, not give be me sitting Giving
0: Oh, man. That's so good. That's so true, Bobby. We just, we just. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. I, you're right. I would not have survived it.
1: And I think one of the other points is, and this goes back to how to help the children, how to help you know, the adults, I mean, there's, there's, everybody's dying from this, but we made choices to, to change. And it wasn't like we did something major every day. We do a little bit better job of being better than yesterday. Like that's really our baseline. I I think I could speak for both of us. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, all this stuff happens. We have a different set of tools because of all those steps. Right. So it's possible for every single person, right? Like you just you just gotta go forward. You gotta try the new things. You gotta be, have the open mind. I sound like I'm lecturing. I don't like to do the lecturing thing, but um, it's it's really interesting to be presented with the kinds of situations that we were in and to get to the other side and to not only get to the other side, but to share some of the lessons, to mm. share some of the, the ahas, to reflect. Because here's what's more interesting. And I know that you and I are are like lifetime friends now, right? So five years from now, when we're doing real and raw and and whatever, we're gonna be like, damn, remember what we were like five years ago? Mm-hmm. Can you believe we said that? Can you mm-hmm. believe we did that? Um, it's just it's just clear because. It was literally a year ago this month that we met in person wow. for the first time. And it feels like a dozen years has passed wow. since last June.
0: Listen, it, it does. It, it feels like a lifetime, like so fast and yet, you know, so slow. And, and by the way, just in case anybody was wondering, I, I am not drinking an energy drink. This is a non-caffeinated hydration sensation. I mean I mean you know my intensity Bobby people are like dad you're on caffeine Caleb no nope, no caffeine
1: here huh? So I hate I have another question for you Caleb bring it bring it change conversation so you have an infant and you have a teenager so what are you going to do different now for your new son that's different than what you did with your older child
0: Well number 1 hopefully not get divorced <laughs> <laughs> because that, you know, again, the, the way I was raised, right. Parents, marriage, and family counselors, it's, you know, you, you, you marry for life, but as you are well aware, Bobby, some things are, are beyond our control. And, um, you know, again, in retrospect, hindsight being 2020, I would have never met my incredible wife, Denise, who's just, you know, like such a rock and fortress. I mean, you, you talk about strength because, you know, we recently celebrated, you know, our official 10-year brazilian wedding anniversary and you know i made a post about it but it's like there's so many attributes where you know guys you know we we have more testosterone we can grow bigger muscles or whatever but from an overall strength standpoint like hands down women women just got it in ways that men don't got it i mean to be able to give birth to a child. I mean, come on, dude, but there's just, I, I see that in her. So I'm so grateful for that. Right. And to be able to cultivate that. So, you know, obviously I hope it will stand the test of time because children always suffer the worst in a, in a divorce situation. But um, so, you know, it was, I, I I guess I say that to say in certain ways, right. In a separation, divorce, co-parenting situation, It's very difficult because the child is always going to be torn by the different parenting styles, by the different, you know, values and ethics of each parent. And I saw that and it was it was heartbreaking for me at times. Right. Because especially when they're young and they're in an atmosphere or environment. Right. They have to adjust and reacclimate to a whole and this just goes back to right we create our environment like literally there is a there is an emotional there is a physical there is a mental and there is a spiritual atmosphere that we create in our homes and the junk that we carry the baggage that we carry mentally whatever that's going to affect all the people around us like our kids or whatever so that's one thing that i realized and you know when when my wife and i have reached situations of relational controversy right? That lasts more than an hour. And again, we're, thank God we're growing past all that, but there were times it would, it would carry on for days. Right. And thankfully, most of that was before we had kids, (laughs) but you, you can't let that stuff linger because it changes the the electricity, the atmosphere of the environment in your home. And so one thing that we agreed, and it's, it's, it's something that I said to her at, at one point and not so much as a result of, you know relational friction or controversy but just a place that I have reached in my life where I said I will not compromise my personal peace for anyone. And if that mm-hmm. means Caleb has to go live on a deserted island by himself then so be it. And so thankfully, you know Denise my wife shares that value right? We want to have peace in our home. We want to have peace around our children and when we when we're in those controversial relational moments Are we exercising forgiveness, right? Are we owning up to our failures as humans and, you know, letting our kids, I think, I think there's a balance, right? Between what we, we allow our children to see and be exposed to. We don't have to hide them from every relational argument and controversy. There's some things, right? You better not be dropping, you know, F-bombs at the top of your lungs, right? That's, that's not healthy for a kid but certain levels of it where they can recognize and see it. And so I think that's one of the greatest things that I'm so excited to be, to be doing with, with Felicity and Axel, my, my daughter and son with, with Denise is that to be able to let them grow up and see that relationship dynamic. Right. And you know, how, how that can be um, strong and how it can be healthy because again, those first six years are where their mindsets are really shaped and molded as far as the trajectory of who they're going to become down the road. So, I mean, what a, what a great question, Bobby. Um, A a lot of things, you know, I I would think the list probably goes on and on, but you know, in my mind, that's a, that's a big factor of, you know, things that I'll do differently. Then we could go on and on about what we'll do different from our own parents. Right.
1: Well, my observation was you did your magical superpower of bringing it full circle, right? Because you talked about a topic that I wasn't expecting you to say, Mm. which is so fun to be so curious about you. Like I know enough to be dangerous, but I always love digging in, but you basically just expressed one very simple way that it is in the parent's control that people can impact their children, right? Bringing it all the way back to all the things that we talked about to save those ODs, to save that bad exposure, to save the trauma, to save the, if there is trauma, how do we cope with it, right? It isn't yelling with the F-bomb at the top of your lungs. It's, what do mom and dad do? Okay, well, they have their values, they have their why, they communicate, maybe they don't agree, maybe they compromise, they see the dialogue, they see the resolution. All of those things are what's leaving imprints on the brain. Like while they're young, to your point as early, you know, pre seven, pre six, but there's still stuff going on. We need to have Dr. Cam on with us one day. Oh, we we absolutely do. We do. Yeah, we do. Um, that, that would be amazing. The stuff I learned from her has helped me with my niece so much. like, I just followed Dr. Cam's advice. Um, but
0: I love that you mentioned that. Well, we'll definitely do that. And I think it'll be a perfect lead in, you know, to, to this topic of fentanyl and, and addiction and, you know, just, just tie in great, great lady that works with teens and relationship. And as Bobby said, wonderful, wonderful amount of advice. So we'll, we'll pull the trio in and then, you know, at some point, probably quadruple. I don't know what, one of these days we need to have like, you know, seven, eight people in here at once and just, you know, fire it up. Well, we'll, we'll keep it, we'll keep it fun and uh, spontaneous. Right, Bobby. I know that much. It's like we're doing today. Like guys, we don't, we don't script this. That's what was so cool is like yesterday, this was just so on my heart and Bobby and I are both getting ready to, you know, travel this coming week and a lot on our plate. And we're like, tomorrow's the day we've got to do this. And to wake up, do a Google search. And then to see this Fox news interview right at the top, you know, from this morning, they posted it was just like, that is affirmation and confirmation that we, that we need to address this. So, You know, bringing it, bringing it back full circle, Bobby, I know for me, I'm going to reach out to those two parents because, you know, they started a foundation organization, I went to the website, and there's, you know, a number of different, you know, fentanyl things like addiction related um, things and it's something I want to have an off camera conversation with you about on you know what we can we can do to approach that and something that I don't talk a lot about on our estate planning platform is our charitable revenue share program and it's 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 just so powerful for organizations like this who are doing good particularly 501c3 nonprofits to have a way to raise funds and generate support for their causes because again as i started to dig into this and you know the reformation justice reformation organizations and and things like that there are people out there but the awareness is not there A lot of the reason because, you know, they don't have the social media traction or they don't have a Caleb and Bobby doing raw and real to talk about this stuff, you know, like, let me be your, I'll be your advocate in a heartbeat, right? Let me be your voice for this because it's just like, we, we need to bring more awareness to this being a legitimate issue. I don't even like using the word problem anymore. Right. Cause, cause what we're, what we are is solution finders and solution makers. So we, we want to address an issue or something, you know, that's, that's creating friction and find solutions to it. And so I just, I'm really passionate to see where this goes because it's, it's been years. I think that I felt this kind of passion for, you know, Drug and addiction awareness, and you know I've got it right, just just from you know what what happened over two decades ago to me. But this is exciting.
1: It is exciting, and you just we. It's not very often that we can talk about both of our businesses or you know like both of our dream kind of missions. But I write down in my goals every day. Um, my three two one empire helps millions of families impacted by addiction, right? And I never thought of it the way that. So there's, I don't want kids in my, my building, right? Like that's not my jam. That's not my, I want to teach adults to play and to be as curious as kids without having the kids around to, to do that and to teach them these strategies. And it goes back to what you said about the energy, right? Like if they learn how to take care of themselves, if they learn how to laugh, if they learn how to play, if they learn how to communicate, how to, you know, find that better ball of energy that you were talking about in the house that they probably don't even know exists, mind Mm, you, mm. Um, they can go back into their homes after experiencing all this um, and and set the example or have the, and you know what, to be fair, they don't know what they don't know. Like, it's just that simple. So until you bump into it, because a lot of people aren't gonna be searching for this information. You got to bump into it. You got to hear something as drastic as these parents talking, right? Something that hits home. I mean, we were taught in speaking to, to make that connection with emotion, right? Like that's the driver. And it has to be something that literally strikes a chord usually to get someone mm-hmm. motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, But these opportunities are the time that hopefully we're striking a chord in a different way or or Caleb's voice says something that's a trigger or your you know your situation or my experience whatever it is that makes it so people can put it on the radar and then take action because you can't take action if you don't know and that's that's kind of my point is parents don't know what they don't know and it's really not their fault
4: yeah
0: that's so true Bobby and, and how can we let our voices be heard so there is the kind of impact on a political scale, right? Again, it's just, I'm so, being a student of international law, right? I don't look at law or politics the same now. In my mind, this is stuff we need to know it should be, should have been and should be information that's taught in school. But not only do they not teach you international law, they don't teach you finance, they don't teach you how to be a successful entrepreneur, right? Those life principles that you have to go out and find and acquire for yourself. But what can we do, right, to impact change on a lawmaking scale, right? Because we talked about this earlier. Okay, you're you're throwing all this money into like anti-drug trafficking, but what about all the other root causes of the problem, right? What about the fact that at present, and again, because I, I read the statistics earlier, that you can be found in possession with, you know, an X, X amount of fentanyl, and it's, it's not a criminal offense or whatever, like, mm. but one pill, one pill is killing young people. So that's got to change, right? And like it's different. I right? have marijuana, right? Strong smell. I you smoke that in the room. like people you know, typically know what's going on. meth, same type of thing. It's it's a little it's it's not as conspicuous, if you will, as fentanyl, right. I don't even know if you know, the German shepherd drug dogs or whatever can snip out a fentanyl pill. So it's 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 to me, it's it's deadly discreet. It's deadly subtle in the way that, again, we, because of the opioid crisis, right? We've got the young people thinking they're buying a Percocet or Valium or whatever it is right to get high off that all of a sudden, bam, it's over. So, you know, there's, there's no easy solution here other than potentially keeping it out of people's hands. And that's only going to happen by, you know, what we've discussed here, Bobby, education, mindset, you know, discipline, the need to not want to experiment, like how, How do we feed a young people, a young person's curiosity again, right? It's just, there's so many good aspects of imagination and curiosity as young people, right. That we have, but you almost feel like there's, there's something pitted against that positive curiosity to poison it with something addictive or to take away from creativity that gives back to society And instead is something creative that's, you know, manipulating someone or stealing from them or, you know, this fraud thing, you know, that's happening to so many people on a large scale. So I I know I'm just kind of tracking thoughts here, but I go,
1: what would it take? I got to give my business boyfriend a plug because one of the solutions is he's launched 10x kids. So if you start talking to the kids with kids. At six, seven, eight years old. And it, and that's the audience, like he's going to do the whole thing. There's someone in our community named Parker, who's like 11 or 12, $100,000 business at 11 or 12. Um, if your energy is into that, into the cash flow, and knowing that the cash flow helps take care of, to your point, being philanthropic, keeping your attention on something, getting that energy and that imagination and putting it towards a good something. Yeah. This is why I love uncle G. Cause he's got it covered. Although I'm going to pitch him once I get the opportunity, I'm going to tell him we need to do 10 X recovery. There you go. I think that's what he needs to add. Cause he has the health. He has the kids. He has our attention. Let's add 10 X recovery.
0: 100%. I, I love it, Bobby. And again, that's tying in the solution that we're talking about here. I, I know, I know you've thought of this too, but I've often thought about, right where would I be in life right now? And, and again, we're not talking about success from a, a monetary standpoint, because I don't, I don't think I personally share the mainstreams. I don't think you do, Bobby. I think success is like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder and it has to be determined by you. What's important to you? What do you value? What are your priorities? But obviously financial liberty, if you will, is, is going to play a role in that. But like, what, what are we cultivating? around those areas. Right. And so we talk about this program for the young people, where would we be? Like if I had an entrepreneurial mindset at 10 years old, like I was so far removed from that, even though as a teenager, right. I, I learned a little bit from selling drugs. I got to, you know, got to attribute <laughs> some to that or whatever, you know, that I had entrepreneurial skills there, but, you know, even through the majority of my twenties, it wasn't even part of the focus because at that time, right. Right. I was giving my whole life to help serve others, to work with, you know, other addicts and and people struggling to get healed. But at the same time, you know, running an organization on donations caused me to be very financially unstable, right? That was scraping by to pay the bills, but it was always justified because my heart was to serve and it wasn't about money and it wasn't. But had I had that entrepreneurial DNA or mindset, like it just would have been so different. So
1: I have to share something with you. Tell us, uh, tell us. And I can't remember what triggered it, but when you were talking about um changing the laws and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I was building, I call it my dream, right? Um building that out and and if I think if you listen to my very first 321 no kid in podcasts, I say it on there. And it ties into this money. I've never given two shits about money. Like obviously I wouldn't have gambled it all away, right? Like Part of gambling was me being empowered to spend my money instead of being poor. It was a choice I could make. That was part of what empowered me in gambling, aside from escaping and all that stuff. But what I realized is the only way, I'm not as smart as you on the topics of international law and politics and all those things, just like I don't watch as many movies as you. That's what makes us so complimentary, right? But I recognized the only way to change the laws around gambling To protect those, because another stat I saw today, one out of 10 people have no um, wherewithal to get treatment, Mm. right? Mm. So that's a gambler doesn't go to treatment when they're winning. It's just very freaking black and white. So I reverse engineered it. I want to be changing the laws. In order to change the laws, you need if you don't have the education and you're not savvy like your career in politics, you need money, power and influence, That's right? And that is my entrepreneurial driver of why I want money, power, and influence. That's why I practice showing up what you hear every day. And, you know, or every time we do this or putting myself out there and doing all these things that are very out of my comfort zone is because that's going to be the only way. It's not because like, look, this is my shirt today.
0: There you go. But it's not
1: because I need a private jet and blah, blah, blah. It's because I want to be able to, to sponsor the people who need to get into treatment or to educate, you know, the states and the the little mom and pop casinos. I don't know if that's really what you would call them, but to implement safeguards. So it's all relative. You can't do it without. I like how you called it financial liberty, because um, you do have the liberty to make an impact, the liberty to do the things. It's it's not about the liberty to have a car better than yours or the li- you know like or to wear. I don't even know name brands, you know, like it doesn't matter. It it just doesn't matter. So I guess the other thing that just popped in, so I'll get this out of my system too, is to stay motivated. It's so much easier when we have a big why like this. Come on. So much easier to stay driven. And that's how we overcame things like last year, Caleb. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. Bobby. God, I,
0: I love that you caught
1: The financial
0: liberty, because what's typically said there, financial freedom, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: when you understand the contrast, and I'm not going to go into it, but it's like the majority of people thinking they have legal rights, when actually what's been given to them is legal privileges. And it's a Mm -hmm. whole different arena there. So again, guys, we're talking about little mindset tweaks here. Bobby, I, I love that you said it. Why, you know, why we do what we do? It's not just to build a legacy for us. Yes, everybody deserves to have financial liberty, to be comfortable, to come and go and enjoy and see the world as they desire. But more than that, the reach and the impact that we that we can have, right? And we could go on and on about you know different entrepreneurs who are using their wealth to create positive impact in our world. And if we could get more people into that arena, right. Then we're causing, you know, greater and greater impact and influence. Cause, cause it's out there, right. We talk about the amount of wealth and, and money that's floating around out there yet for all these wealthy people that are creating all these amazing foundations and nonprofits, the majority of our world is, you know, still in dire straits, right. It's still very rough. We, you know, if it was having that much impact, right, we wouldn't have this massive opioid and addiction and fentanyl crisis going on in our world. So I think that becoming an entrepreneur is a huge part of creating that impact. Because again, I go, and I would hear this in the, in the religious circles, right? Oh, you can, you know, you can do so much for God because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you're broke, busted and disgusted, who, who are you really impacting? right? Oh, it's so humble. It's so beautiful, but yet you're so limited when you have the resources to f- buy out a television company or a media company to broadcast <laughs> your message anywhere in the world at any point in time. Like that's reach. that's or to buy changing. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like if you can afford to buy Twitter, I mean, come on guys. And then the feds get pissed off a week later and say, you know, you were, you were avoiding paying about an extra 140 million. It's like, okay, you know, what's, you know, what's an extra 140 million when I just spent $4 billion. Like, it's just, it's, it's just a whole different world there. But again, and it's not, you know, it's not saying that Elon Musk is a savior to humanity or anything, but it's just focusing on the good that he's doing on, you know, the technology that he's creating, helping to create that is transforming our world in a positive way. So again, right, Bobby, money is just a tool at the end of the day, like anything, what are we going to use it for? Are we going to use it for, you know, good or for evil purposes and ultimately what, who we are within, right. Is going to dictate that because guys I've seen it happen time and time again, people that never had a lot of money, win the lottery overnight, a lot of times all that money's gone within a year or two and everything that is corrupt, if you will, or the things that they don't value or the pride or the ego or the greed that needs to be fed will be fed. So for me, Bobby, I think there is a there is a serious process that we don't talk about enough in becoming an entrepreneur that involves the forging of our character that involves the development of our whole being and our integrity. And how will we handle money when we're entrusted with it? Are we going to be faithful in the little bit that we have so that we can be entrusted with so much more? I just, I believe it's a, what, regardless of what kind of faith or belief that you have, that it is a principle of natural law that the universe, God, whatever is going to test you and see, will this corrupt Caleb, will this corrupt Bobby or have I forged that character in them to a place where they can't be bought, where they're not going to give in to the selfish base desires and, and greeds that would destroy other people and ultimately right, hurt many people around them. So to me, I just, and I'm grinning inside so much bigger than I am on camera right now because I am so grateful for that purging and refining process that is developing my character. That's allowing me to disassociate myself with people that maybe could, you know, help elevate my business or my reach, but I don't share their values and that's okay. And to be at peace with that, to be so confident in who I am, as a person and what I'm called to do and create that people can drop away and Bobby that wasn't an easy thing for me for a lot of years I had trouble letting go of people I get so right attached to people and love on them and you want to pull people along so that's been part of this whole journey even the past year right that that whole letting go and I could I could go deep into it with my daughter and you know the divorce and the different things that i've experienced man but there is so much liberty in being able to let go and step back and when adverse circumstances come say okay what is god and universe trying to teach me in this right and where can i grow from and who can i become you know as i level up and embrace this adversity so i can't believe we've been talking an hour already
1: i know Just i like, got one i got one more thing no, girl, i know we're no. getting close because we can go on and on. But you just, again, did it, the magical circle, the magical circle of all, Caleb, you're, so this is the difference between sick and healthy, just to simplify mm, it. Mm. The sick doesn't get their way by having people in their lives or keeping them and they hurt, so they go use. The healthy make a choice about who's gonna be in their lives. Because they've already taught, like learned some of those guardrails and those healthy coping mechanisms. If you want to be cliche about it, but they've done the work. So, and you don't know when you're doing the work that it's going to pay off, but you have to have, that's where the faith piece comes in, which again is another topic. But you just really described, because we all lose people, right? right? Some by choice and some not. And when we're not the chosen one, it can hurt. It can hurt a lot. And that could be our, our excuse to go do the bad things, or we can look at the gifts in it. And you've done such a beautiful job as always expressing your gratitude, talking about the journey. The journey is not perfect and just showing up to share the light, the light that you have in your circle of things that are all Caleb, I love it.
0: I'm so grateful for you, Bobby, and our, our, our time to do this guys. Stay connected with us. Stay in touch because we're going to talk more about this. We're going to talk more about what we're going to do, what I'm going to do to bring awareness to these issues, how you can get involved. I really, I really would like us to create a movement and I would like to create a campaign as well, Bobby, a break the silence campaign is is Great. is what I, I think it's going to be around so we'll talk more about that and and as we as we say goodbye and chow for the day if you don't mind i would love to close us out with a song from one of my all-time favorite bands who just released a new album and there's a song on there called blindfolded and please listen to these lyrics you know and take note and help us to remove the blindfolds from our own eyes from off of one another so that we can improve the lives of other people by helping them remove their blindfolds and just empower so many people bobby we're going to be do such great things and i just like you said i can't wait 5 5 years from now or so right to be able to to talk about who who we are and the different people that we're becoming because we just we chose to not stop growing so
1: Love it! Thanks. Appreciate Caleb.
0: you, my friend. And we're
1: goofing off for two weeks. Can't forget to let everybody know we're that's, goofing off for That's two weeks.
0: that's right. We're gonna we're gonna be out of the box a little bit here uh, for a while, and um, that's okay. No. You
1: deserve it, buddy. You go relax, get you know, some sun I'm, for me.
0: I'm excited because the kids are gonna get to go to the beach, and uh, it's just um, it feels it feels very very past due. But here it is, guys. We appreciate you. Stay in touch with us. Have a great rest of your day.